0: April 27th, 2023, we're in Masechet bet Let's begin again on the bottom line of Daf-Tet-Vav Amut-Bet. The Gemara in the middle of the bottom line says, "Tane, Rav Tachlifa, Ahuha de Rabbanai hoza'a. Kol mezonotav shal <laughs> adam kisubim lo merosh <laughs> hashana ve'ad yom ha-kipurim, hoz mehosa'ot, mehosa'at Shabbatot, ve'hosa'at yom tov, ve'hosa'at b'nav le'talmud <laughs> Torah, shim Pohatino." We discussed and began developing this concept yesterday. The statement is that all the mezonot, all the sustenance, all the financial necessities of a person are determined during the time period from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. That part we focus less on, except for three primary and fundamental zones of life, and those are the amount that a person spends for Shabbat, the amount a person spends for Yom Tov, of course, a reference to the food and drink and anything that's going to be used for Simhat Yom Tov for Onik Shabbat, and lastly, Hotzaat Banav Talmud Torah, the amount that a person pays in order to educate their children for Torah. Shimpihet in any of those three situations, if a person diminishes, doesn't spend a lot, well, what will happen in turn is pohatin law the reservoir from which you'll have that money will be smaller as well. It'll be based on uh, the amount that you're exerting. Vim hosif, alternatively, if you're having festive, big meals and you're educating your children in a way that's expansive, mosifinlo. there'll be some... Um, heavenly assistance in terms of you being able to have more even though it would seem at first glance uh, impossible. What was the uh, verses, or the Pesukim so to speak, from which these were derived? Well earlier in the Gemara, the Gemara was talking about this Pasuk of Chedvat Adonai hima'uzechem, if you recall the Pasukim Sefer Nehemiah was the statement from which we derived that Kivyachol Kadosh Baruch Hu, turns to us and says, Banai, my children, levu alai, I'll take out loans uh, on me. I'll pay it up afterwards. It was in the context of Rosh Hashanah, it was at the time of Ezra talking, talking to the people, שלחומנות, send food, to the people who don't have. And the statement in turn was, כחדוות interpreted as the happiness, the rejoicing for God of Hashem, that should give you strength. As a result we understand, that's the Hossa'ot, that's uh, taking out of your pockets, spending for Shabbat, for Yom Tob, don't believe for a moment that that'll work in the natural sense, that based on how much you have, you should in turn spend, although we want to be very responsible in life. Uh, instead, understand if you're involved in rejoicing, happiness, What about the uh, Talmud Torah, where that come from? So Tosafot, as we mentioned yesterday at the top left-hand corner, explained that Torah as well is, in, is described and understood as Live. Torah has a way of being misamea it, it gladdens our heart. It, uh, it, it enlightens our mind. And as a result, when the Pasuk talks about you're spending for happiness with God, for God, it's not only for Yom Tov, for Shabbat, it's as well for Talmud Torah Lebanah. Is he talking about is it, is it that you, know, if you spend money on Shabbat? for the meals, and you spend money you, you'll have more money to spend for the next meals for Shabbat, or is it saying he's gonna change it by the rest of the week as well? Well, I, I, I can't tell you for certain. What I can tell you is it won't make a dent in the bank, is the suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how that's going to be filled in, I'm not 100% certain, but the idea is that uh, with regards to other expenses, while well, there might be, and there perhaps is, as the rabbis understand it, a certain limit with regard to how much you'll be able to spend, because how much you will have, when it comes to these, to a certain extent, the sky is the limit, again within responsible mindset and approaches, of course. Says the Gemara, Amar bi'avahu, bi'avahu." says, but wait a second, got the second part, let's go back to the first part, that idea of that all the sustenance, all the income that a person will have are what's the pasuk that perhaps hints at this idea that our sustenance is determined, that the amount of food and money we'll have is determined in some way over the course of the Aseret Yemei Teshuva. He cites a pasuk from Tehilim. The pasuk says, "Tikru b'hadesh shofar, b'kese liyom hagena." We'll define in a moment. Says the Gemara, or says Rabbi Avoh, "Ezoh hag she'hadesh mitkasebo." Hevei omir ze rosh hashana uktiv ke'hok liyisrael mishpat leloheya akom. So before we continue onward, let's start with this part of the derasha. It starts with this pasuk, tiku b'hadesh." Shofar, so ostensibly the simple reading is sound the Shofar during the Chodesh. Bakese yom hagenu. The next word bakese is a little bit difficult. And yom hagenu, our day of holiday. Well, what's that referring to? Uh, So immediately, people will and should exclaim. It must be talking about Rosh Hashanah. All right, it's a nice suggestion, but do you have any reference to that in the pasuk? So his interpretation, in turn, is: We'll start with Rashi. Ezu mitkasebo. What's the holiday on which the moon? He translates Rashi does the word hodish as the moon. Mitkasebo is concealed whereas the 15th of Nisan, when we celebrate Pesach, whereas the 15th of Tishrei, when we celebrate Sukkot, whereas even the 6th and 7th of of Sivan, uh, on all of those days there is a moon which is either fully visible at any time or alternatively partially visible when you're dealing with the early stages of Sivan. But ultimately speaking, there's a moon that is easily visible at all times. When you're on the first day of a month, the moon, for all intents and purposes, aside for specific times and places, is concealed. As a result, when the pasuk says "ba'kese liyom hagenu," we're reading the word "kese milashon kisui." It's covered. It's concealed. So read the pasuk through again. shofar, the When should you do so? Ba'kese hagenu. When the moon of this holiday is covered." Now, I would say in turn, it Rosh Hashanah. All right, that's first and foremost. What does it have to do with sustenance and money? And then the Pasuk says right afterwards, Now those words, simply interpreted, hok and Mishpat are references to laws. And we might understand in turn, there's judgment during this time period. Who said it specifically or particularly about sustenance, about mezonot, about finances and income? Uh, he, uh, he doesn't define that for us. He just accepts that, Says the Gemara, and again, we'll return to the earlier stages in a moment. Ma'i mashma de hai de He seems to be interpreting that word hok as referring to mizoneh, mezonot, your sustenance. Ma'i mashma, where do you see in the pasuk or in the pesukim of the Torah that the word hok might in some way be implying mezoneh, my mashma, where do you hear dehai, hai means this, this word quote unquote hok is lishna, lashon means a word or a language, mezonehu, who said that it's a reference to sustenance, you told me that the pasuk is referring to Rosh Hashanah. Understood. Accepted, kind of. We'll deal with it in Tosafot. But the next stage of the Pasuk, Yahot Israel, which is really where you're coming from, who said that's referring to finances, to Mizonot? Dichtiv. he quotes one of two Pesukim, or the Gemara quotes one of two. Dichtiv uh, ve'achilu et hukam asher natan lahim par'o. This Pasuk is in the context of Yosef. Yosef, at a certain point, the Egyptians are so much in need of bread that they're willing to give everything up. To the extent that they sell all of their property. They ultimately speaking sell themselves as slaves to Paro. We're talking about the Egyptians at the end of Sefer Bereshit. Except for the Pasuk says, Admata Kohanim. In Egypt, there was the priestly land, and the priestly land was independent. They didn't sell their land for food, they didn't sell themselves for food. Why not? Wasn't there a famine to the extent that everybody needed food? The pasuk says because The the kohanim, the priests, the elite in Egypt, they got hukam they got a daily or weekly allowance in terms of food. That was on the government, which means to say since they had the allotted rations of food, the Kohanim, they never needed to sell their land and themselves to Paros, what the Pesukim described to us. What's the reference? What's the word with which we reference that they had food? achilu et hukam. The word hawk in turn, is a reference to mezonot. You see that the word hok. Which really, in its, in its literal sense, is something that is carved in. La hakok means to carve in, but it's an established rations and it refers to bread. Then we read the pasuk through. b'chodesh ofar, ba hageno, reference to Rosh Hashanah. Next pasuk. Kihok li Yisrael, who? Pause. What's that talking about? Hok means food. Who said so? Well, the pasuk in the Torah at the end of Sefer Bereshi tells us so that the hokam of the Kohanim was a reference to their food rations. Morzutra Amar Morzutra says, "I like it, but I have better." Mehacha have a different pasuk which refers to uh, perhaps the word hok as uh, as food as bread and says the pasuk says in Sefer Mishlei, "Hatrifeni lechem hoki." God set aside for me lechem, the bread, chuki, which is my portion, which is my amount. It's kivya kolmish, turning to God and saying, I don't need an excess in food, I don't need plentitudes of food, just give me lechem chuki, just give me, what is necessary for me? You see the word chuki in the context of lechem, of bread. What's the necessity of that second pasuk, first and foremost? Once you have a pasuk in the Torah, which is ve'achelu at hokam and it's a reference to bread, why is he bringing a pasuk from Mishle? We'd rather a pasuk in the Torah, would we not? What's that? Yeah. Maharsha suggests, and along the lines of Nathan, he says this second pasuk mentions lechem explicitly. The word hawk is defined by the word lechem, right there, but how would you interpret the first pasuk? So Maharsha, in one of two interpretations, says that maybe you'd interpret it as Pada'ol would give them an allowance, he would give them money, they would use that money to buy bread. It means that the word hawk might be a step removed from bread, it might not actually mean my sustenance. He'd give them the ability to get it, but he didn't actually give it to them, this pasuk is direct right there in your face that the word hok and more than that shelo and Sefer Mishlei is saying give me my portion says Maharsha and that's what we're talking about in Rosh Hashanah the portion of bread which is allotted to us th- for throughout the year and that's what we have then in the Gemara that's the statement that's the pasuk uh, re- with which we reference this idea of kol Mezono adam kisuvot lo yom Yes. So all the other st you don't spend money to No, them no, them. this is on the first part of the derashah. the establishment of how much you'll make, that's on Rosh Hashanah. That's what this is being brought for, right? Now the beginning of the derashah, just briefly and uh, parenthetically, was again Tikuba Tikubah Hodesh of Arba Kese Liom As I told you, Rashi explains, but Kesel Yom hagenu is a hagsha hodish mitkasebo Rashi, about ten lines from the top, says, Shehalevana Mitkasabo. Now she interprets that word, hodesh mitkasabo, mitkasebo, which the Gemara said, as that the moon is covered, is concealed on this holiday. It's a, it's a pretty clear interpretation. The truth is we determine months on the, Hebrew, on the Jewish calendar based on the moon. So it's not so crazy that the Pasuk would interchange the word Levana with hodesh. But if you look at the left-hand side, at Tosafot, five lines from the top, Ezu Hagsha mitkasebo, says Tosafot, Piresh Rashi, Sheha Levana enaniret, right? That's a, a clear presentation of Rashi. Vekasheh. Says Tosafot Vikashele Perusho, according to this, Ze De Havale Lemema Shehalevana Mitkasa. Says Tosafot, the wording is a little bit imprecise. Why does the Gemara get poetic? Why does the Pasuk get poetic? And then the Gemara poetically interpreted. Why doesn't the Gemara say, bo. And the Pasuk says, li, bah, bahkesli, uh, tiku shofar. say, tiku shofar Or something along those lines. It says Tosafot instead, um, Piresh Rabenu Hananeum, or Piresh Rabbeinu Tam, she, ro, excuse me, Piresh Rabenu Tam says Tosafot, so that's the grandson of Rashi, She Mizdamen Bo. The interpretation instead of Rabenu Tam of is that the, the Pasuk when it says, Bahodesh the Hagenu, it's not a reference to the covered moon, it's rather which holiday falls out on Rosh Hodesh. Well, of course that's Rosh Hashanah, but wait a second, but we said something about it being concealed. Kilomar sheragil lavobo, Rosh Hashanah, will fall out on the first day of the month, which is Rosh Chodesh. So, Tikuba Chodesh shofar ba kese, the kese, well, what's being concealed? The kese, Lashon Zeman, says Tosafot. And the word kese is a reference to time. So the Pasuk then reads, and the Gemara Ezu hag shea Chodesh mitkase is a reference to it. The time period is that of Chodesh. That's the interpretation. They cite a pasuk uh, along those ones. So that's the second interpretation to how to read this derasha in the Gemara. Uh, what does it mean? by Shofar Hagen. According to Rashi, at the time that the moon is concealed. According to Tosafot, at the time that it is Rosh Hodesh? Uh, lastly, says Tosafot Verabeno Mishulam Piresh SheMitKaseh SheLo Hayas Sa'ir Shel Chodesh Karev Bo. Rabbeinu Mishulam says, you know, there is something hidden about Rosh Chodesh on Rosh Hashanah. One second. Rosh Hashanah falls out on Rosh Chodesh. That's right. But the Gemara in being Doresh, Pasuk reads, but K says something that's covered up. Covered up? Rosh Chodesh is covered up on Rosh Hashanah. It says, absolutely. I'll tell you how it's covered up. It's covered up because the regular Korban that would be brought on Rosh Chodesh was not sacrificed on Rosh Hashanah. So, so to speak, Rosh Hashanah covered up Rosh Chodesh says, Rabbeinu Tam to Rabbeinu Mishulam. I just don't think it's factually right. If you look elsewhere in the Gemara, the Gemara seems to imply to us that it's not so. On Rosh Hashanah, there would be not only the sacrifice for Rosh Chodesh, but there would be for Rosh Hashanah as well. Tosafot, therefore, uh, suggests differently. Uh, if you go a little bit down, uh, it says, Ve Tam haya omer. Just a few lines down. Well, first, V'yesh Farshim. Two, four, six, eight lines before Tosafot finishes in the middle. Uh, so on that uh, interpretation, again, Tosafot says, Hodesh is a reference to Rosh Hodesh. Uh, so for for Utam Bakes it means it's the time of Rosh Hodesh. For Rabbeinu Mishulam, it means it's covering up Rosh Hodesh. How's it covering up? Well, maybe they didn't sacrifice, says Rabin They did sacrifice. So then what does it mean that something was covered up? Maybe it's that in the prayer, the Slav, Rosh Hashanah, we don't mention that it's Rosh Hashanah. We only mention that it's Rosh Hashanah. For tam, Haya Omer ad this is a very famous Tosafot for the following reason. They are disputing what the Nosach of the Tefilah and Rosh Hashanah is about. Are you supposed to, in our Tifilah and Rosh Hashanah, mention that it's also Rosh Chodesh or not? There is a, a well known dispute amongst poskim and amongst communities until today, but it starts over here. Rabbeinu Meshulam says, no, only reference to Rosh Hashanah, or the, the first opinion Tosafot. Rabbeinu Tam disagrees. Rabbeinu Tam Loma, Rabbeinu as a result changed the prayers of his community whereas the Tzidur said he would bring one of that animal now he's had to change it and say Two of them, it means that there was a preceding custom with regards to the prayer, and Rabbeinu Utam, based on his interpretation of Talmud, changed it. Again, if our purpose is right now not so fundamental, but it gives you a certain perspective to the approach of Rabbeinu Tam, to the Baalei Tosafot, and to their understanding of, well, at the very least, the prayers on Rosh Hashanah. That's a fascinating thing. Rabbeinu Tam's interpretation over here is being swayed as it, perhaps it should be, by his interpretation of the Gemara. He had a prayer book, he had a nosach which the people were, were reading from, and he says, but I think it's mistaken, and he fixed it a little bit. Elsewhere in Masechet Nidarim, the, to, the Tosafot, and Ran cite from Rabin Tam as well, that with regards to the nosach of Kal Nidre, he changed it, he had a problem with the way they were reading, can you imagine? If someone, I don't care how great the rabbi is, how... how all because he had a Gemara which he believed implied otherwise. And in Kal Nidre, he said he thought there was, a, there was a logical halakhic problem with the way they were reading Kal Nidre. What I'm saying is, can you imagine? I, I walk in, I'm not the, the great. Time. I walk in, next year, I say, Gentlemen, we have a new siddur this year. We're reading. Okay, now, yeah, it changed one or two words. One or two words in the Seir of Rosh Okay. I say, Kal Nidre, I'm going to change. Can you imagine changing the words in Kal Nidre? Okay, Rabbeinu Tam had that ability. It stuck. It stuck. Uh, it stuck, generally speaking, many of his changes. Um, we, thought, thought, okay. we do both today in Kal Nidre. We have both past tense and future tense. I know this is a question with regards to Kal Nidre, if it's supposed to be only past tense or future tense. That's with regards to that. You uh, agree? Maybe. Um, I, I, will t- I will tell you... It's a, que- it's a question of whether the Torah commanded it or not so it's not maybe a... that was Rabbeinu's mishra trumps trumps the status of the day whereas Rabbeinu Tam, reading the Gemara reading the Pesukim Parashat Penecha says it's not so right it's so, uh, so Nathan raises a very important question. So, a little bit. I was going to touch on this for 20 seconds now. Says, can, can anyone come along and change Tifilah? I mean, ultimately speaking, the Gemara in one or two places tells us that many, not all of the nushat of the Tifilah have a tradition all the way back to Anshayi Knesset HaGidolah, to the extent that we sometimes, oftentimes, imagine and state that the tefillah were written with a certain prophetic uh, inspiration. Uh, so you and I, as scholarly as we might be, are going to come and change it? a little bit dangerous, a little bit jarring. It, it's as a result, in recent generations specifically, but this has been going on for hundreds of years, so I'm pointing to this Tosafot, there's been disputes about this. When the, uh, after 1967, when we reconquered uh, the Old City, there was a question about the tefillah that said, once a year, and for us, once, literally once, not one day, once, it's the tefillah of Nahem, which we say in Tishkon, on uh, on on Tshabe'av in Mincha. We have one specific addition to the prayer. In it, it says that the city of Jerusalem lays desolate and it's shameful and so on and so forth. Is that appropriate for us to say it today? It's not desolate, it's not shameful, and so forth. And so there were several who made the claim. Bihaim David Halevi who was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv Yafo for many years. He wrote in his book, Asel e he says, Today we should just add one word, Shehayeta. God give consolation to the city which was, instead of that is shameful, desolate, and so forth, that was. That's <laughs> wait a second. What are you talking about? You're changing a word? Do you know about our Tefillah? and so on and so forth. It, it remains a dispute until today. The proper nosah on that. Rabbi Meir Mazuz, should live and be well, who's the Rosh Hashibabi Shivat Kisera Hamim. He has Sidurim. Many people use his Tikkun. Less people use his Sidurim. Ish masliah. He made not one, not two, dozens of changes to the Tefillah based on his research, based on his logic, based on his understandings. Slammed for doing so. Now he's got the credentials, he's got the knowledge, he's got the connections to be able to have the sidur out. But he lives in Benebrak, Brak. His yeshiva is in Bnei Brak, and they put up posters all over Benebrak saying that there's a problem with this sidur. He publishes proudly one or two of the letters at the beginning of his uh, sidur. He had the alav uh, There was Rabbi Vosner who was a lot to and so one of the letters in one of the earlier sidurim says everything I, that that was written on the walls. I, I, I disagree, we shouldn't be shaming you publicly, that's a mistake. However, I don't submit to anything you wrote in this Sidur. In words, there is this type of debate, but what I'm pointing out is that more than anything, sometimes we stumble upon it in Tosafot. They changed a the word in the Gemara based on their understanding, they changed a sentence, they took something out, put it in. Here we're dealing with the tefillah. It's a whole other level, but it did and, and does exist. There's an interesting conversation to be had further about that. Okay, the Gemara says further... No, I'm just saying that the the, the people that people don't want to say Halel but no the criteria the rabbis have talked to him why not. It's so a little bit I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, with you're regard saying that if a miracle happens in Israel, right? Yeah, so with regards to Halil it's a little bit different, opinion, I'll explain that's, to, that's to, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh right. but we wrote down machine. Understood. Understood. That but no no but more than I okay, so so let, let me just <laughs> But Mars, it's a different question. The question of Halel on Yom Asma'ut even with a Birachah is a different question. That's a question of the ap- application of there's a, that the prophets established anytime there's a miracle from which we have salvation, you say Halel. So the question is, is that applicable under our circumstances as well? There are specific guidelines and circumstances for which we apply it. The question furthermore is with regards to the Beracha. So you're going to say the Gemara Arachin and Davyod counts and enumerates 18 days, 21 in for Haleu with a Beracha. But the Gemara alternatively says you do it on days on which it was a miracle which transpired. So the question of application in turn, not so much in terms of changing terms of where we say and how we say in that sort of business so the question then is along the same lines Nathan says because what the reason some some, aside from political considerations don't want to say it even if they're saying in the middle but rather say it after is because they say the the Jewish mystics have along these lines everything in the prayer is particular and specific in its place can't be displaced however alternatively he writes he says but wait a there's the Gemara and Ta'anit and Daf Kafhet says it's a minhag if it's a minhag it was a custom it means we didn't have that all the way back and we said it in the middle of the tefillah so there's plenty of grounds for it but what I'm saying is you're mixing up uh, issues here we're talking about I have an established prayer and I'm changing in it there you're talking about the addition or the application of it alright anyway says the Gemara onward Tanya says the Gemara we have a Biraita here amru alav al shamai hazakin a very famous Gemara it was said about shamai hazakin Shammai Hazaken is the father of Betilel. He's the father of the academy of, excuse me, of Bet-Shamai. Um, what did they say about him? Kol haya ochel Shabbat. He would, throughout his life, Shammai Hazaken, be eating with the honor of Shabbat in his mind. Masabe here's what would happen. If, during the week, on Sunday, he found a, and when he found a, uh, walking through the marketplace, a fine animal, Omer, zol Shabbat, he'd say, can I buy that Sure. This is for Shabbat. And then the next, the next day or two, he found, he found a different animal, which was nicer and finer than that one. He'd take that second one and say, this one's now for Shabbat, and dinner tonight, honey, is the animal I bought yesterday. To you understand what ended up happening? Every animal, every food that he ate throughout the week, since he started with Kvot Shabbat, it was all eaten lichvot Shabbat. His mindset from Sunday was, I'm buying lichvot Shabbat. I bought it, but now I found better. It means dinner, lunch. Today is the food that I bought lichvot Shabbat. The entirety of his week in turn became defined by Shabbat Avow. Hillel Hazaken, Mida Achir Ta'etalo. Hillel Hazaken, father of Beit had a different character trait. Shekol Ma'asav L'Shem Shemaim Shene Emar Baruch Adonai Yom Yom Ya'am Otslanu. He Kol Ma'asav Ayu L'Shem The way Rashi interprets this is, it says Rashi, Boteach Shetizdamin Lo Naal L'Shabbat. Instead of uh, putting in the effort, so to speak, from the beginning of the week by procuring and buying those animals and saying this is for Shabbat. So he would live the week and then say, at the end of the week, I'm going to find the appropriate animal for Shabbat. Uh, that's what we have in the Gemara. What's, What's that? the position it's one's right, one's wrong. It, it's not uh, one's right, one's wrong. They are two different approaches. That's correct. But why about about means Aval? Aval, Hillel, would do it differently. Instead of injecting it in such a fashion, he would do it differently. He would hold on to it. Uh, it doesn't mean that Shammai uh, Hazakem didn't have Koma Asav Vleshem Shammaim. It means his actions in this context weren't the same way. Now, there are a few important points. First and foremost, Rashi, in his commentary to Shemot Perikyotet Pasuk Het, that's the Pasuk Zachor Yom HaShabbat Le So Rashi so first quotes the Midrash that Zachor vs. Shamor bidibure ha Nemru. And then at the end, he defines the word Zachor. What does Zachor mean? Remember Shabbat to sanctify it. Says so Rashi, I'll tell you what Zachor means. It means ten Your mind should be on Shabbat throughout the week. And he quotes Shammai Hazakin, you should buy things from the beginning with the mindset of Shabbat. That's an amazing thing. I remember my rabbi, Rabbi Meir Tversky, pointing this out to us. He says, Hey, we generally speak in Posek hilel over Shammai, Rashi, in his commentary to the Torah, cites as the definition, the Peshat in the word Zachor, to remember Shabbat throughout, means to act along the lines of Shammai. It's uh, Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah right there. He quotes from a midrash that we do this, even if for we're not buying our food in such a fashion. Every day when we say Eshir Shelyom, Ramban says it's the way Jews speak in general. Unfortunately, I don't think we do this any longer. I don't say today's Hamishi B'Shabbat. That's the way they used to, says the Midrash. At the very least, we do it with Eshir Yom. We call each day Hamishi B'Shabbat or B'Shabbat Kodesh. We're referring to each day of the week by referencing it in conjunction, in vision of Shabbat which comes afterwards. It means that to a certain extent, Shammai HaZaken's approach is one which transforms the whole, the profane, into something that's Kodesh. Six days you do work, it has to be connected to the Kodesh of Shabbat. Because the Kiddushah, the sanctity of Shabbat, is defined in part by the way that it transformed your entire week. Your week, which appeared to be whole, has a new nature. It's now defined not just as profane, but as sanctified because of the mindset, because of the approach the of approach throughout it's a general uh, it's a general perspective which is at uh, at play over here between shammai and Zakin which follows their opinions and their students opinions to a certain extent throughout talmud we just saw it on daftet Beit. Joey Levy wanted me to say this then. I'm going to say it now. Uh, we saw a machlok between B'li'ezer and B'hoshua about the proper approach on Yom Tov. Is it chetzio l'achem v'chetzio l'hashem? Is it kulo l'achem, kulo l'hashem? In other words, the question was in pesukim, but an approach, should I sever Bili B'li'ezer was a student of bet uh, shamai As a matter of fact, he's known very often as as uh, Shammuti, uh, that's what he was known as and the reason he was says Tosafot HaMaseich Nida because he was an adherent to the Bet Midrash of Shammai, of Bet Shammai his approach was with regards to Yom Tov you could be fasting on Yom Tov oh, yeah I could be fasting on Yom Tov, Simcha how do I, says, says Shammai says, says Rabbi Eliezer, a transformation there's no hal. there's no your side it's all Kodesh, oh, it's all sure. to kadosh. The whole week is Shabbat, and as a result, even all of Yom Tov, there's no room for you. Everything is transformed. Whereas Rabbi Yoshua said, no, wait a second, I have a Beti Leil approach. Let's split this up. Let's understand this is not all God. God is playing a role in your life. But don't imagine that you don't, you're don't. you not an entity in this. Understand this. In their approach to Talmud, to Halakha as well. That's the Gemara he was talking about a few days ago, Vribili Ezer, Ezer disputes the Hachamim in Maseche Bava, Mitzian, Nun His approach is, I'll prove my opinion on a famous case called Tanush el achnai I'll prove my opinion by a heavenly voice declaring that halakhas like me, Vribili Ezer, the adherent of Shammai. The rabbis disagree with him. They say, what are you talking about? The Torah is determined by us, of course, with God's stamp of approval, but it's not determined its interpretation by him, by the heavens." You understand what's taking place over there. For Shammai, for Bet Shammai, for Abilia everything is defined by, well, there is no hol. It's all a mirage. It's all a facade. This is all Kodesh. Your entire week is Shabbat. You thought that was hol. You, uh, you got led into the, uh, the, 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 the mistake of humanity of thinking that there's a separation. It's all the same. It's all this matrix of reality is really all Kodesh. Where's live? He says, no, it's not so. I have to put in my own endeavors. I, my, my vision of Torah in turn is altogether different. There's a basic hashkafah divide between these two opinions. Much more to be said about that, but that's Al-Khseh Mazlik. Says the Gemaraanword Tanyana We have a Beraita which directly accords with that which we said, this split in approach between shamai and Zakin in different words, but the same point. Umrin, instead of Shamay Hazaken. his adherents, his students, beit shamai mehad. Shabecha, So his, his statement is, what happened? So his statement is, you should go from the first of the week to it says Rashi mehad mehad. Shabbayich, from the first of the week, Shelecha, Rashi is interpreting, Ten libecha, your heart and mind should be, Le Shabbateich, Le Shabbat Your week should be not only bookended, but defined by Shabbat. It's a Shabbat week. U beti Baruch Adonai, Yom, Yom, Alternatively, beti leil says, No, it's not so. I have a week, and I have Shabbat. I mentioned more than once that my father's, one of my father's rabbis, Rabbi Soloveitchik, in his Tishubat Derashot, it's published in a book, Al HaTishubat, he once digressed, and he said, you know, when I came to America, I imagined that I was gonna find many Mahalalei Shabbat, he said, I did. He said, but in addition, even in addition to that, sadly, even those who know how to be Shomer Shabbat don't know how to be Shomer Arif Shabbat. He said, "Well, in the old country, I remember erev Shabbat throughout the week we were looking forward to Shabbat. That's what it was. It was a bet Shammai type of perspective. My week was defined by the kodesh. I knew I had to go to work because I am somehow sanctifying existence. My life is becoming kodesh." He said, "Over here, it's bifurcated. It's split in half. The week is whole, and then I come to Shabbat and I'll enter it into as a day of sanctity." He says, "That's that's a that's a, a basic mistake and changes the perspective int- entirely with regards to our approach." To life and 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 work and kodesh and chol says so the gemara onward Amar bihamah ber bihanina. Mishnah uh, Berurah, in one place, uh, suggests that this is not a mahloket. It's rather two approaches. There is a, a, a there's a book called Mikra HaEda. Unfortunately, I did not look at it uh, this morning. Mikra HaEda, written by Rabbi Greensig, talks about this from the poskim. Is there one approach? Is there pesach halacha on this matter? It's a perspective which each person, lefimidat nefesh hanefesh elahim, will strive to strike the right balance. Yeah. And listen to the words, by the way, in the Gemara, even though you have the Aval, which Jesse was annoyed by, you have hilal. the Gemara says, You see, it's a character trait, which was different, which means we're not per se dealing with Pesach. His statement is with regards to proper nimusim proper etiquette with regards to giving someone something. Is it appropriate to give them an anonymous gift? And why would that be a problem? Rashi says maybe it'll be disturbed. Who'd I get this from? They won't know how to accept it. They won't know if it's appropriate. They won't know who to say thank you to. As a, so as a result, his statement is, don't think you have to tell them. You can give it to them anonymously. Shine he cites a proof for this. A statement in the Torah is that Moshe who was given, who was bestowed a gift from Borei Ulam, after Matan Torah, his face was beaming, Karan his skin was radiating, he didn't know, you see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't tell him about it. Interestingly then, his statement is, we do, when we give someone to so- something to someone, we don't need to notify them in advance. The Gimara- It it might be with regards to tzedakah, says Nathan, the highest form of tzedakah. Over here, it might be a bit different. It might be dealing with matana, which is in excess, but the Gemara will debate when this is appropriate, and uh, and alternatively, when it's inappropriate, in the ensuing lines. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, amen, amen.